Tavernier is the Premier League's best attacking midfielder. Manchester City is a league above Liverpool. Fulham badly miss Mitrovic. A feast of goals in Brighton. Players spitting on each other in Nottingham. Potter hanging on to his job by a thread. And Arsenal are primed to win the Premiership. Football fans far and wide, welcome to the Football v. Football podcast. This is the EPL Game Week 29 reaction show. I want to thank you all for your patience. It's Ramadan. Things have been a little busy. I know it's been a maybe over a week since I've released a podcast, but thank you for, for being patient here. And we're going to go ahead and get started and dive right into the action. But before we get started, I want to remind you, if you're listening on Spotify, please go ahead and hit the follow button so you're informed about all the future podcasts. Same if you're on any other podcast platform. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe, like, comment, share, all that good stuff. Let's jump right into the first game. The two Titans, well, the two Titans of maybe years past. Manchester City defeated Liverpool 4-1. No Holland in this one. No problem for City. All you got to do is sub in the superstar from the World Cup, Julian Alvarez, and the star Mahrez, and it just shows the incredible depth of this team. And Liverpool, in my opinion, even playing with they're almost optimal lineup here. Maybe minus Thiago, uh, Nunez and Jota, maybe a, kind of interchangeable. Uh, Nunez, I think, is a good overall player, but struggles to, to score when it comes to time to score. Jota maybe has a more, uh, more of a nose for the goal. And they still get smoked. <clears throat> and, you know, although City were on the front foot for the beginning of the game here, Salah started the scoring in the 17th minute, showing you know simultaneously the class of Salah and the subparness of Ederson, as I've preached before. Uh, I, th- I think most of the work in this one was done by Jota. He kind of fended off the defender, and Salah just came and cleaned it up. Good start by Liverpool, one to nil. But this is becoming a trend for Liverpool. They start strong, they finish poorly. And in my opinion, this is Klopp at fault. And there was a uh, a post on social media I saw. I know it's April Fools, and that, you know they said that uh, that Klopp uh, uh, got sacked. <laughs> and I looked at it, and I wasn't completely surprised what I saw the the post. I thought it was eminently possible given the precipitous fall of, of Liverpool, and it's one of those things that. Because of their success, I think you give Klopp a little bit more time. Uh, he's earned it because of the championships he's won. But if he was, if he hadn't won those, I think by now, because of how far they've dropped, uh, I think there's a good chance he, he could have been gone by now. And this is his history. It shows, I think, in year seven and all the teams he's been in. Uh, his voice uh, starts to ring hollow. But, you know, getting back to the, uh, the nitty-gritty of this game... Um, Mahrez had many early chances and this one couldn't capitalize. Finally, in the 28th minute, uh, Alvarez breaks through for their first goal of the game to tie it up. This was Grealish with an assist as Trent was nowhere to be found on defense. 
uh, he was lost, he was not marking, and they showed uh, Holland in the, in the suite after this one celebrating like crazy, punching a, a guy up there, shaking him. It was it was uh, it, it was fun to watch. Um, and then the second goal came in the exact same way as the first, except instead of Trent's side, it was on Robertson's side. Pass to the corner, and then corner to the center of the goal with no defense. This time it was KDB finishing, and again, Trent all the way up the pitch when they show the full angle of this one. <clears throat> Not even playing defense. Nowhere near the defense. And he, my friends, is no defender. And it's becoming a bit of a problem for Liverpool. I mean, more than a bit. This is manifesting itself multiple games now. For the third one, Gundogan, easy goal for him, a clean-up goal, making this game 3-1. And Liverpool has essentially no attack after their initial 17th-minute goal. They squandered a chance with Gakpo diving in the box in the 58th minute, which City actually turned into a more successful counterattack, forcing a big save from Allison, And then Grealish... Put the finishing touches on this one in the 74th minute. And that was all she wrote. 4-1 uh, City. Showing that this season they are a class above Liverpool. Liverpool continue to descend. It is unclear whether they will be playing uh, European football next season. We shall see. They have been kicked out of this year's Champions League. Meanwhile, Manchester City continue to apply the pressure on, on Arsenal. Even though Arsenal continues to win. So... For them, maybe it's a Champions League year. Maybe they can try to get their first Champions League trophy. But speaking of Arsenal, we will now move on to their game. Arsenal defeated Leeds. A familiar scoreline in this one, 4-1. You know, Arsenal's season from heaven continues here. Every week I perceive this team as overrated. And every week they uh, perceive me as, as, as wrong. And they prove me wrong. Even without starting Nelson or Vieira or Saka, they just play so well as a team. But Arsenal is the opposite of Liverpool. Poor starts who gain ground and form as the game progresses, which ultimately is the better way to be. <laughs> Leeds had a chance in the first five seconds of this game after the opening kick. Uh, a nice setup that they've devised. They've, they've done this in a couple consecutive games now. They actually emerged on the front foot here. Three shots on target in the first half hour. And Arsenal had none in that time period. First goal by Jesus. Extremely weak penalty drawn. Luke Ayling just kind of tapped him on the knee and he went diving. It was really pathetic. And if I had my way in football, that's a yellow for Jesus. But um, as it is now, the refs allow um, themselves to be fooled and... They, um, you know, convert this penalty, obviously, to break the deadlock and make it 1-0 Arsenal. In the 40th minute, Melier again makes a horrible mistake, as he did the last couple of, of weeks here, where he comes out way outside of his goalie box, um, out into the field of play, and didn't return back in time, uh, and was bailed out by Ailing, but just barely. And I'll jog y'all's memory, um, he did this against Liverpool, came... Almost to midfield, halfway from his goal to, 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 to midfield, um, and then held the ball. Uh, and then he did this again last week as well with that header. 
Uh, he like dove for a header way outside of his box, and then that actually resulted in a goal. Uh, and then he does it again. I mean, whoever is this this keeper's coach needs to. I, I mean, I know it's a rule. You got to come out and intimidate and close off the angle for attackers. But he's taking it way too far. So Millier, I am generally a fan of this guy. I think he's good. He has length. He's a, he's a overall good keeper. Some of these mechanics are starting to cause him to deteriorate as a keeper. So just don't come out as much. Just draw a line in your head like an invisible fencing dog. To just once you reach a certain point, just stop moving out of that that area. But anyway, the second goal of the game came from Ben White here at the far post. Uh, nice clean goal, Arsenal. Uh, then the floodgates were open. Uh, same fancy footwork, uh, um, or some fancy footwork by by Trossard, who is a player I'm a big fan of, to fake out the defender and then send a cross in the Jesus, who cleaned it up with an easy goal, three nil Arsenal. Uh, Leeds found their form midway through the second half here, had a couple chances, one of which uh, resulted in a goal. Uh, Christensen, good strike that deflects off of Zinchenko for an own goal. But again, as I always say, when you put the ball on target, you set yourself up for good things to happen, and they broke Arsenal's clean sheet. <clears throat> then the fourth goal of the game for Arsenal came off a nice header by Xhaka here and a nice setup by Saka. Saka to Xhaka, who came off the bench here to assist the fourth and final goal of the game, and this became a rout, and Leeds are in trouble, while Arsenal continue to ascend and keep a tight grip on that number one seed. I, I still want to see Arsenal play a good team. I think most of their schedule is still pretty cake, but um, yeah, we will see. We will see. I have to check maybe some of their future games, but I want to see Arsenal tested, especially because they are poor starters, first half hour of the game, if they play City, if they play, I don't know, Tottenham, player, uh, a team like that, if that team goes up 2 or 3-0, what does Arsenal do? Are they able to, to crawl out? We shall see. They've done it before, but that took Reese Nelson, who they didn't play today. I, don't, I mean, I guess they don't need him, but, uh, or at least not in this one. I think they will need him in the future. Anyway. Moving on to the next one here, a surprisingly uh, good game, or at least for one side, um, one of my low-key favorite teams, Bournemouth. Bournemouth defeated uh, Fulham here 2-1. to one. Fulham losing their form. They're a completely different team when Mitrovic doesn't play, and as we know, Mitrovic is now suspended for at least three matches after pushing the ref in the FA Cup game, and so their whole game plan, which... Brought them early success in the Premier League this season after they had emerged from the second division. It's a plan centered around Anthony Robinson and Kenny Tete feeding Mitrovic. And that kind of collapsing defenses. That all goes out the window when Mitrovic isn't there. All that being said, <laughs> Fulham does come out on the front foot in this game. Pereira makes a great run and strikes first in the 17th minute. Uh, Solomon almost, his teammate Solomon almost ruined this by being offside, but it was called just barely onside. Pereira, aggressive all game in this one. Had another bicycle kick chance uh, that was not too far off. Um, but as this game progressed, again, Anthony Robinson, a few minutes later, Tried to take matters into his own hands. He said, I don't care if Mitrovic isn't in this game. 
instead of feeding his strikers, he took his own strike, and it was a rocket that hit the post, shook the very foundation of the goal. Anthony Robinson's a good player, maybe a little aggressive, maybe sometimes on uh, on defense, but I think he's a he's a great attacking defender. I think it's a shame that they had to play guys like Carlos Vinicius and even uh, Solomon, who I'm not a fan of for various reasons. Watara for Bournemouth then had a chance, nearly squeaked by, <clears throat> aside the goal, barely missing, and then had another chance that was actually a goal but was called offside. Watara is a tremendous player who his stats in this game will belie how effective he was, but uh, I think he's a he's a tremendous player. Um, and then, and then the master of this team. The difference maker in the beginning of the second half, when they finally put him in the game, immediately, Marcus Tavernier, an absolutely clinical left-footed curved shot from outside the box, top corner with a beauty of a goal, one of their best of the season. And I'm telling you, when healthy, Tavernier is among the top Offensive players in the entire Premier League. He had another powerful chance later on that was barely saved. I cannot say enough about Marcus Tavernier. This guy is a tremendous, tremendous player. A nose for the goal. He is the star of this team. The fact that he's been out with a hamstring injury so long is why they are in the relegation zone. But what a breath of fresh air he was to this team. Came on after halftime with that incredible, incredible goal. Then to take the lead, Solanke scores as only he can as a cleanup goal here where he did basically no work, right place at the right time. And that'll, maybe that'll boost his confidence. Uh, he was so visibly happy after this one and good for him. He needs to you know, start allowing himself to not get dispossessed so much and um, have more of a nose for the, uh, for the goal. He's used to you know, putting a lot of shots on target, but... Um, yeah, I mean the, the fact that he gets dispossessed so much, and he he just he had a he has a string of games where he just can't score. But good for him. Maybe this will be a confidence booster for him. And that's how this game ended, two one. This was a huge result for Bournemouth. Lifts them above the bottom three, out of the relegation zone. And as I've always said, with Tavernier, this team has a very strong attack. They're a very low key, dangerous team. Between him, Watara, Billing, and even Solanke against some of the weaker teams. And when he doesn't allow himself to get dispossessed, this is a very potent attack. It's a very potent attack. And if Tavernier stays healthy in these last oh, 9 or 10 game weeks or so, I think they can shoot themselves up to the, bottom, uh, to, to, to the top 10 of this league. We'll move on now to the goal fest of the day. The, the back-and-forth game, Brighton and Brentford draw 3-3. Three three. In a matchup that, in my eyes, are against dead-even teams. Very similar power-wise. Uh, in this one, uh, Steele replaced uh, Robert Sanchez as keeper again. I thought this was kind of strange, as I have never perceived Sanchez as an inferior uh, keeper. Um... 
And this day, this game didn't really prove me wrong, uh, as he conceded three goals. But um, you know, there was a, uh, a a great early defensive stop by Ethan Pinnock to uh, uh, stop an, an early goal chance by Matoma, uh, and then um, Jensen started the scoring with a great header. Jensen seems to lately have a nose for the goal. He's been playing very well for Brentford. And as I continued to watch this game a little bit, I realized that Steele, his value to this team is as a facilitator. He assisted Brighton's first goal in this one, who uh, had Matoma chipped uh, uh, the ball over Raya. Um, Raya, admittedly out of position. I am, a, I am a fan of his. I will talk about him a little bit more as, this, um, uh, as we talk about this game. But a little bit out of position, maybe in sort of a Melier position where he went out a little bit too far. But you got to try to cut off the angle. Anyway, that was a great assist by the goalie who kicked it exactly to Matoma um, way ahead of, of midfield and assisted this goal. Then Ivan Tony put in the second goal here, fresh off his first appearance for the English national team. He was motivated and drew this game at 1-1. to and then Danny Welbeck, in his 400th league appearance, got going and scored the second for Brighton. Uh, later on, Embuemo had a, a cheeky little bicycle kick uh, chance that, uh, that wasn't far off as well. Pinnock then contributed to the offense, uh, putting in the third goal off of Embuemo uh, set piece. Um, Ethan found the back of the net, open. At the far post, nicked it in for the third goal. I misspoke earlier. Ivan Tony's was the second goal. Ethan Pinnock's was the third goal. Later, uh, for Brighton here, Caicedo had a great strike saved by Rea. And Soli March was aggressive all game. He had a three-game goal, three goal streak here that he hoped to make uh, into four. Couldn't quite do it. And then Lewis Dunk had a chance with a header. So many chances for Brighton in this one. But it wasn't until the Brentford defender conceded a penalty uh, via handball in the box and Alexis McAllister, the Irish Argentinian, buried the PK in the back of the net to tie it up at 3-3, which is where the score settled in this one. This was this was a very exciting game. If you didn't watch it live, go back and watch the highlights in this one. And just a note here, as I mentioned, Raya, David Raya. Um, he's kind of an enigmatic keeper. They, they, they mentioned in this one that, of course, David De Gea has um, a powerful hold on that Spanish uh, starting goalkeeper job. But they lost to Scotland 2-0 in the UEFA uh, or, uh, Euro uh, qualifying game earlier uh, this week or last week. And it's one of those games that I think Raya is a better in-game goalkeeper right now than David De Gea is. Rea is an impressive keeper in many, many ways during this game. He had an incredible 11 saves, and you saw it throughout. He was efforting, and, and his his IQ um, is very high for a keeper, and he is very, very underrated. Even in a game like this where, admittedly, he conceded three goals, um, you know, one of them, I admit, like I said, he was a little bit out of position there, it, but it was a, a great assist by Steele. I, I don't know that he was anticipating an assist by the goalie on this one. And 
of course, now they mentioned his record. The third goal was a penalty kick. Of course, those are difficult to stop, but goalies are becoming a lot better at saving PKs. Raya is 1 for 16 stopping penalty kicks this season for Brentford. So <clears throat> he has room for improvement, but Raya is one of those guys that I think is a top three keeper in this league. And there is upward mobility for him. I think he will reach it. Uh, he has not been a, a starting keeper for, for very long. I don't recall him more than maybe a year or two. So um, I'm a big fan of his, but he will have to continue to get better at stopping PKs and get a little bit better at positioning. Overall, they share a point in this one, Brighton and Brentford. They're both kind of similarly on the top half of uh, uh, the league here. Uh, they have a chance if Liverpool continues to fall or maybe Newcastle kind of falls a little bit to uh, surprise everyone and, and qualify for European uh, football, for UEFA or um, for the Champions League or for Europa. We shall see. We will now move on to the next game. Crystal Palace defeated Leicester 2-1. And this game came with another keeper change here as Iverson, no, not that Iverson, um, replaced Danny Ward in this one for the second game, or maybe this is the first game, but they're... Keeper changes abound after the international break here. Decore for Crystal Palace for a second straight game continues putting in strong chances as he did today. Uh, but Leicester had their own early chance. Glance off the post as well. This was a little bit slow back and forth early. But surprisingly, it was the attacking defender, Ricardo Pereira, for Leicester that put a powerful strike in the back of the net to start the scoring here for Leicester. Where have you been, Ricardo Pereira? He was one of my favorites years ago. He kind of uh, went off the map. I didn't know where he went. Maybe he was injured. But now he's back, and apparently he's one of the best you know, attacking defenders. And he was the one that, that the only one that scored for Leicester in this one. So um, later on, Eze, off a tremendous free kick, put one past the Leicester keeper. And Crystal Palace, something I've known about them, they are surprisingly effective off free kicks. Between Eze and Olise, that is one of their uh, strengths in terms of scoring this year. That's one of the things that, you know, it, it, there's not much margin between these teams in the, in, in the Premier League, especially in the middle. But between Eze and Olise, they are very good at free kicks. Palace was the aggressor uh, all game in this one, peppering uh, Iverson with shots, and it wasn't until Mateta, who fought through a shirt pull that was a hero in the final minute of extra time in the 94th minute that sealed the game here, that sealed the win with a game-winning goal. Heartbreak for Leicester, but absolute jubilation for Palace. Their fans went wild in this one. A very satisfying ending, at least for Palace fans, to kind of a ho-hum game. And so where it goes in this one, Leicester continue to struggle here in the standings. They will be continue to be in the relegation zone. Palace just barely better than them in this one. Uh, and overall probably um, will continue to survive, it seems, in the Premier League. They are kind of in... Un There's nothing sensational about Palace... Um, they don't have anyone that's super, super exciting to me, but they continue to stick around. Um, they will need eventually an exciting star on this team, an exciting striker, uh, if they want to ascend into anywhere other than the middle of the pack. 
and we'll see if they make any kind of moves um, in the coming weeks or months or we shall see. But we'll move on now to the next game, which is Wolves and Nottingham Forest drawing one-to-one. -one. <coughs> Forest made five changes in the midfield and defense in this one relative to the last time they, they, uh, they played a game. Uh, looking to shake things up here. They're just kind of looking for answers. Uh, Brennan Johnson for Nottingham Forest had a great early chance, parried away by Jose Saw. Um, and then another player for Nottingham Forest, Niajate, um, uh, a great early chance header off the crossbar. I think he was playing after he uh, he broke his fast. Um, but uh, another you know player for Nottingham Forest here, Morgan Gibbs White, tremendous game as a facilitator. Uh, fed Emmanuel Dennis early, who had great chances. He is a class player in my opinion. And then Morgan Gibbs White again fed Brennan Johnson, who then scored from a very difficult angle. You know, I once perceived Brennan Johnson as very similar to Solanke, but as I've been watching over these last few weeks, I think he has <clears throat> kind of um, stepped up his game. And I think. The emergence and presence of Emmanuel Dennis has kind of inspired him to uh, believe that um, maybe Dennis will, will will take over here. I've been the main guy on kind of a mediocre team, but Dennis could maybe supplant me and take my job. They played them both in this game, but uh, I think the emergence of Emmanuel Dennis has kind of lit a fire under Brennan Johnson. Um, maybe... Bringing back Tavernier will do the same for Solanke, or maybe the emergence of Botata will. Maybe I'm just kind of hopeful that that's how um, it'll happen. But um, so we shall see. Um, yeah, so many chances for Forrest in this game by Brennan Johnson, by White, by Emmanuel Dennis. And Dennis has that trademark move as he's moving uh, from the left side and juking his way open to the right side and then taking powerful strikes. Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. In this one, he couldn't convert. But it is kind of cool to see how he maneuvers around defenders. And then, out of nowhere, out of absolutely nowhere, I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, uh, Wolves had basically no chances for the first 83 minutes of this game. But then the star, the star of this team, as I've mentioned before, Daniel Podence, who, like I said, I'm a big fan of. He's a very aggressive attacking player who was pulled um, from uh, many games, didn't start a few games recently and brought on late, barely played. He capitalizes in the 83rd minute on a powerful right-footed strike here. Podence is the best offensive player on this team. And it is a sin that he has not been playing full 90s. He should absolutely be playing full 90s every single game. He has a motor. He has stamina. He is aggressive. He is powerful. Play him 90 minutes every game. <clears throat> I will add a note here on Sarabia. Um, after a blistering start for Wolves, he has had a very poor last three to four games. A very precipitous drop-off, and I'm not sure why. Maybe somebody can tell me in the comments why this guy has fallen off so much. And then the story of this game at the very end, kind of an interesting moment that ties in 
the guy I just talked about, uh, Podence. In the 91st minute, it looked like Podence spit on Brennan Johnson, but after a thorough review in VAR um, to determine whether it was a red card, it was deemed that he just kind of blew air in the face of uh, Brennan Johnson, and I guess no spit was cited. Uh, we have a real Seinfeld situation uh, on our hands here, uh, but there was no second spitter because it appears there was no first spitter. Um, but yeah, just kind of a bizarre occurrence. And then in the post-game handshake, the coaches for both teams had words for each other here, uh, perhaps rooted in that, uh, that incident there spit gate or blow gate, whatever you want to call it, however you saw it. But 1-1 one, one here uh, for um, a couple teams that are, are struggling. They they will both be in uh, uh, the relegation zone, it, it appears. But uh, the story of this game is Nottingham Forest did blow it. They blew this game. Moving on now to the last game of the day, Austin Villa defeating Chelsea 2-0. Uh, Emmy Martinez... The Villa keeper, uh, very, very early in this game, almost gave up uh, a very easy goal, uh, passing it to his defender, who was already draped by Chelsea attackers. I think there was maybe one or two guys on him, and then two guys also attacking um, uh, where the ball was. So um, very messy by Emmy, uh, very early in this game. But as we see, he did hold a clean sheet. So he played well the rest of the game. Uh McGinn, John McGinn in this one was great, had an early chance, hit the crossbar, um, had a great game as we'll talk about later. He did score the second goal of this game as well. Kukurea, my how the mighty have fallen. Kukurea made a brutal error, heading the ball back, meant for the goalie, but went straight to Ollie Watkins who easily chipped the ball over Kepa for the first goal of the game to break the deadlock. Man, Kukurea... I thought him partnering with, with Potter, they had a great, great run with Brighton. But it's been an absolute disaster. <clears throat> and I don't know what's going to change it. Um, but uh, for Chelsea, later, Jao Felix had a nice chance in the 21st minute. But again, right to the goalie. He tends to do this very often. He has many shots on target, but not many goals. And then uh, Mudrick, another uh, addition to Chelsea here, then similarly had a soft shot on target. Then later Chilwell had a shot off the post. And then Havertz had a chance that didn't go in. And then Conte, welcome back, had a shot that just barely missed, uh, just uh, wide of the goal. And then Chilwell again with an actual goal, but he, was, he fouled his man uh, while heading the ball into the goal. And Chelsea just couldn't get it done. They just couldn't get one in the goal in this one. And that seems to be the story for them. I mean, as I'm reminiscing on their, their games of past, they put a lot of shots toward the goal. Some of them aren't target. Some of them are just kind of shots aimed at the goal, but just not precise. There is a, a lack in finishing on this team. Um, then in the 57th minute, as mentioned before, John McGinn, a powerful, powerful strike to put them out 2-0. McGinn, he is refinding his form. He kind of ebbs and flows, this guy. But he is finding his form now. And then there was a questionable handball uh, for Villa late in the second half, uh, but it wasn't given as a penalty kick. Um, it was off a deflection and deemed that the hand wasn't moved out of a natural position, so it was not given. 
no breaks for Chelsea there. And another bad Premier League loss by Chelsea, who are thriving in the Champions League. And that is probably the only reason why Graham Potter still has a job. That was the last game of the day, ladies and gentlemen. So this concludes the Premier League Game Week 29. I want to thank you all again for tuning into this one. Thank you for your patience and uh, the lack of a podcast for, I believe the last one that was released was on the 22nd of March. So I want to get these out a little more uh, often. Uh, I have noticed that uh, many people from um, not only America, but um, from uh, from England and Ireland and France uh, and all across really um, uh, Brazil and and, uh, and and Hong Kong and, and Italy and Belgium. There, there, there are many people from many countries that I see uh, are starting to tune in, and I really, really appreciate it. Um, I hope you're able to understand this. I know uh, maybe I'm not. I'm not sure that there are captions in other languages. I do the captions for for English um, on YouTube at least. Uh, but I, I do hope that you are enjoying these podcasts. I really appreciate the the support. Um, I, I see that you, a lot of people are listening on different podcast platforms. If you do have Spotify, it does help us if you do follow us on Spotify. So um, if you want to follow us on there, that would be uh, a big help. But you can also continue listening on whatever podcast platform you use, um, Amazon or Pandora or Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen on. Greatly appreciate it. And on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube as well, we'd really, really appreciate if you hit that subscribe button. That really helps us as, as well. And then like, comment, share, all that good stuff. Um, and if you're on Instagram and Twitter, we're on there as well. Uh, Instagram, um, it's uh, at football underscore V underscore football. On Twitter, fball v fball. We do uh, release uh, some shorts, uh, some YouTube shorts and reels uh, that uh, don't make it to the podcast platform, but are interesting nonetheless. So if you want to join us on there as well, it would be great to have you. It would be great for you to engage. Um, but yeah, that'll do it. For this week's uh, EPL Game Week 29 reaction show. Really want to appreciate you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Have a fantastic day, football fans.